All right, if you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. 1 Corinthians, chapter 11. It's weird being out of the book of Acts, but we're going to take the next few weeks um, and take a break from the book of Acts. We're going to uh, take today, I wanted to take today and wanted to look at the Lord's Supper <clears throat> because I believe, because even in my, even myself, I believe that a lot of people have a misconception of the Lord's Supper. They don't truly understand the value and the importance and the benefit of partaking of the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to devote today, and possibly even more Sundays throughout this year, looking at the Lord's Supper. Uh, but today I wanted to look at the Lord's Supper, and in the next five weeks, next five Sundays, we're going to do a small series, because uh, it's Easter, we're going to do a small series looking at what is the gospel. We just want to break it down, because again, I don't think a lot of people have a good grasp on what the gospel is. And so we're going to do that for Sunday morning service. And then after Easter, we'll come back into the book of Acts in Acts 15. So, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17 is where we're going to start at. If you're there, say word. If you're not, say hold up. Fantastic. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in, in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. 
Use me as you see fit. Open up our hearts and our eyes to the truth that you have and remind us of your promises. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as I've been doing lately, because we've had a lot more children and for some reason people are having babies within our our church, um, we want you to know that you're going to hear crying maybe. You're going to hear squirming. You're going to hear giggling. You might hear my son drop another metal, metal water bottle in the whatever that is up there. And uh, it's okay. If they get loud, I'll get louder. This is a blessing, okay? So let them squirm. Children are to be squirmy. It's okay. All right. I figured today was as good a day as Annie to preach a message concerning the Lord's Supper. And it, it, it's amazing to me how many people don't truly understand why we take the Lord's Supper and even why we should take it more often. See, even growing up in a Baptist church, I was never really taught why we take the Lord's Supper. I was never really taught the significance of it, except that it was just a time to remember what Christ has done for us. My goal through this morning's message is for you to walk away with a better understanding and a better appreciation of the Lord's Supper and a stronger delight in what Christ has done for us on the cross. I hope that by the end of this service, when we take of the Lord's Supper, it will be just a little bit more special than how you've taken it before. And if you do know all this stuff that I'm about to show you, Great. It'll just be a great reminder for you because the gospel is a great reminder that we need every week. Okay? So here we go. The main idea for today's message is this. The Lord's Supper is more than a memorial. It's an act of worship. The Lord's Supper is more than a memorial. It's an act of worship. When we take the Lord's Supper, when we are taking of the bread and of the juice, because we're Baptist, when we're taking of those two elements... We are taking it as an act of worship. Okay? This isn't just a time where we are just remembering what Christ has done for us. We are worshiping through partaking of the Lord's Supper. Okay? Now, here in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's dealing with a situation in the church in Corinth. One of the many situations that Paul's having to deal with the church in Corinth. Corinth. And I would love to take uh, a series and preach through Corinthians because all Paul does really is just yell at him. I mean, you heard kind of the sarcasm that he had, like in verse 22, shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. I mean, this is, he is not happy with what's going on. So here's what's happening. All right. In New Testament times, when churches would take of the Lord's Supper, it was actually a meal. And they would take it together as church body, which is how the Lord's Supper is to be taken as a church body, not as a Bible study, not as a youth group, not as virtual, in my opinion, because it is to be taken as a church body. Now, they're taking this meal, but what's happening is, is the wealthy people, they were having this meal in their home because they have the space and they're probably even helping pay for a lot of that meal to be provided for the church. But what is happening here is Paul is showing us that these wealthy people are using it as a dinner party. Where they invite their friends and they're eating all the food and they're getting drunk on the wine. 
And then what's ending up happening is, is the, the more poor of the church family, when they come and show up to take of the Lord's Supper, there's just crumbs left. And part of the church body is drunk. They are taking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. And so Paul is using this passage to instruct the church how and why we take of the Lord's Supper. So I just want to break it down. I got six points for you. You ready? Number one, as we take of the Lord's Supper, number one, we remember Christ's works. Remember, it's more than a memorial, but it's not less than. We are remembering Christ's works on the cross. Look at verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As we are taking of the Lord's Supper, we're being reminded of the works of Christ on the cross. So when we look at the bread, I, I don't know if you've been a part of a church where how they take the Lord's Supper is they will have a fresh baked loaf. And what they would do is they would break that loaf and the body would come up. And when I'm talking about the body, I'm talking about the church would come up and they would break off pieces of that bread. All right. There's significance in the breaking of the bread because that bread symbolizes the body of Christ who was broken for us. What he encountered on the cross was his body breaking. He was tortured, beaten, suffered for you. We talked about it this past Wednesday night through the Apostles' Creed study. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. He suffered in your place. We are remembering the works of Christ on the cross through the breaking of the bread and through the drinking of the wine or the juice. When we, when we drink of that juice, we're remembering the blood that was spilled for us. The blood that was shed so that we may have this new covenant with Christ. The blood that was shed so that the Gentiles can be saved along with the Jews. And so the blood that was shed so that the church can become whole. The blood that was shed so that you may be saved. When we drink of that juice, we are being reminded of that. We're remembering Christ's work. So we see that as number one. We remember Christ's works. Number two. Not only are we remembering Christ's works, we are proclaiming Christ's death. We proclaim Christ's death. Verse 26. Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Church, as we come together in unity and we take of the Lord's Supper together as a community, we are proclaiming the death of Christ. 
We are not just proclaiming his death, but we're proclaiming the gospel. All right, we are proclaiming that this blood and this body that was broken and shed for me, this bread and this juice that I am taking within myself, I am proclaiming that it is for me. He died for me. And as often as I take of it, I am proclaiming that. So, so if we see the, the remembering of Christ on the cross within ourselves and we see the proclaiming of Christ's death coming out of ourselves. So as we as a body take this, we're able to look around and we're able to see our brothers and sisters who are proclaiming this death as well. This is why this is one one of the reasons why the Lord's Supper is also known as communion. Because we are communing together in proclaiming Christ's death. And as we commune together, we are communing with Christ as we proclaim his death. Do you ever think that taking of the Lord's Supper is actually a proclamation of the gospel? Because when you're taking of it, you are in agreement with what it is and what it did for you and for the church. So as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we proclaim Christ's death. And then number three, not only do we proclaim his death, but we also anticipate, we anticipate Christ's return. Look back at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That doesn't mean that we're only doing this just until he returns. What it really means is that we're doing this to anticipate his return when we get to have that great feast with the Savior. That's, as we are partaking of the Lord's Supper, we are taking it together as a church body. And we are anticipating the day when we as a church body are going to be with the Savior taking of that meal together. So as we are remembering Christ's works and proclaiming his death, it is to anticipate the day when we get to do this for all eternity with him. Lord's Supper is more than a memorial. It's an act of worship. We don't just take the Lord's Supper to just be reminded of the gospel. It actually does something for us. So we remember his works, we proclaim his death, and we anticipate his return. As we're doing that, in number four, we examine our lives. Now, I know you've heard me give that warning when we fence the table. Fencing the table just means that me as a pastor... We guard who can and who cannot take of the Lord's Supper. And this is why. This is why. Look at verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. 
That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. You see that? People who have taken of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner have gotten weak, sick, and have even died because of God's judgment. This is, when we take of the Lord's Supper, this is a serious time of worship. This isn't something to fool around with. You know, when, when, when I was in youth ministry, I heard stories. I never did this, but I, honestly, where I was in youth ministry, in my theology, I'm surprised I didn't do this. But I've heard of youth groups and Bible studies who would take of the Lord's Supper, but do it with like Doritos and Mountain Dew. Like, there's nothing serious about that. There isn't. And we are to be serious about this. As we are partaking of the Lord's Supper, we're called to examine our own lives. What does that mean? Does that mean that we are to be worthy to come take the Lord's Supper? No. Nobody is worthy to come take the Lord's Supper. Nobody is. But we still can take it in an unworthy manner. So how, what are we supposed to do when we examine ourselves? We need to look within our lives. Are we mistreating anybody in the body badly? Are we, are we living in unrepentant sin? Are we living? And what I mean is, is I'm not talking about you being sinful. Are you living in a type of reoccurring, unrepentant sin that you've gotten okay with? You cannot come and take the Lord's Supper. If you are living in this unrepentant sin. Because that way you are taking it in an unworthy manner. Why is that, Pastor Jesse? Why is it that you take it in an unworthy manner if I'm living in sin? Because how do you know that you're saved if you're living in sin? You mean I can lose my salvation? No, I mean that you probably were never saved to begin with. A sign of salvation is living a repentant life. I'm not talking about a perfect sinless life. I'm coming up here as a sinful man saved by the grace of God. You can ask my wife. She knows my sin. Don't ask her. I'm not perfect. But I strive to live in a repentant manner. So we are called to examine our lives before we come and take of the Lord's Supper. Because if we are proclaiming Christ's death for us, if, and we're living in an unrepentant life, then how do we know that that death was for us? We are called to examine our lives. We come to the table with a repentant heart. Knowing that we're wrestling with sin. This is why we come to the table. Because we're wrestling with our sin. We come to the table knowing that we are sinful. 
This is why I need the Lord's Supper in my life. I need to be reminded of the gospel. I need to take of the blood and of the bread. I need to know that Christ is for me. So yes, you come and take of the Lord's Supper as an unworthy person. Everyone does. But we examine our lives so that we don't come and take of it in an unworthy manner. So as we are being reminded of Christ's work on the cross, as we are being reminded of the gospel, we examine our lives. That's number four. And as we're doing that, as we examine our lives and as we partake of the Lord's Supper, as we are proclaiming Christ's death and anticipating His return, number five, we're renewing our commitment. As we take of the Lord's Supper, we are renewing our commitment with Christ. Now, listen, I'm not saying we're being resaved, all right? You can't be resaved. If, you, if you've truly been saved, if you've truly given your life to Christ, you can't lose your salvation. But you can renew your commitment. No matter how far you've strayed, you can renew your commitment. So as we are coming and taking of the Lord's Supper, as we are being reminded of the gospel, as we're examining our lives and even repenting of that sin that we're struggling with, we're renewing our commitment with Christ. As we take of the Lord's Supper, it's it's like a pledge. It's It's like signing a contract. It's like we are renewing our commitment with Him. But check this out too, church. We're not only renewing our commitment with Christ. We're we're, we're renewing our commitment with each other. This is why the Lord's Supper is a corporate act of worship. I I don't take the Lord's Supper by myself. I don't... Take the Lord's Supper with me and my family in our home. I don't take the Lord's Supper in a Bible study. We take of the Lord's Supper during the worship service as an act of worship. And so as we are repenting of our sin, as we are renewing our commitment with Christ, we're renewing our commitment with each other. Because the scripture tells us that if we have hate in our heart for other people, then we'd have no love for Christ. Scripture tells us that if if we do not love others, we do not love Him. So as we are renewing our commitment to Him, we renew our commitment to each other. That's number five. Number six. Not only are we renewing our commitment, not only are we examining our lives, anticipating Christ's return, proclaiming Christ's death, or remembering Christ's works. Here's the final Peace that I want to just get across to you this morning. There's so much more. I have enjoyed my study time this past week, and I can't wait to get more into it. But lastly, as we take of the Lord's Supper as an act of worship, we receive spiritual nourishment. We receive spiritual nourishment. This is, 
This is a meal, according to Scripture. This is a meal that we are taking of them. Paul tells the Corinthians in verses 33 and 34, he says, So then, my brothers, when you come together, okay, as a body of Christ, together, not alone, together. As you come together, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. You don't take of the Lord's Supper in a way to provide physical nourishment. Have you seen the size of those crackers? It's just not possible. But that's one reason why we only do the size of those crackers, because we don't want you to fall into that temptation either. We receive our physical nourishment in the meal that we take at home or at Bojangles, wherever you want to go eat at. That's how we receive that physical nourishment. But because this is a meal... We come together and take it for spiritual nourishment. We, church, we, through the taking of the Lord's Supper, are feeding on Christ spiritually. Whoa, that sounds weird. Okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. This is no different than on Sunday mornings when you hear the Word of God preached. You are feeding on Christ spiritually. You are being soaked up with God's word to spiritually nourish you for the week. And this is no different than you spending time in your quiet time, reading your Bible and in prayer. You're soaking up for your spiritual nourishment. So I'm not saying you taking of this cracker and drinking of this juice is doing anything magical to you or mystical. I'm not saying that. It's not. Don't think that this little cracker is going to turn you into Superman. But what it is doing is it's nourishing us, nourishing us spiritually. What does that mean? It, we are being reminded of the promises of, of, of God as we take of this bread and this juice. We're being reminded of the gospel. We're being reminded of our need in Christ as we examine ourselves. We're being reminded of the grace and the love that God has given to us as he's died for us, as he's suffered for us, and as he rose again for us. We're being reminded of all these things so that we may be encouraged to continue to fight the good fight of faith. To be encouraged to continue to run this race with endurance. To be encouraged to continue week in and week out. That through Christ we can do all things. That no matter what suffering comes our way, because Christ suffered for us, He will strengthen us. It is through the Lord's Supper that I am reminded that I am a weak human. I am sinful. But I am reminded that it is through His grace that I am strong. He is strong within me. Again, we don't take of the bread and the juice because we think it's going to do something mystical to us. It is a reminder. But so is God's Word. This is why we should do this often. This is why we should do this more than once a quarter. I mentioned that to somebody one time. I I said, I would like for our church to start doing Lord's Supper more than once a quarter. And you know, somebody told me, somebody said, um, they said, uh, it would would feel ritualistic if we start doing it more. This person knows who they are. They know that I'm saying this. It it, It would feel ritualistic. I told them, I said, well, we preach the word every Sunday, but nobody says that's ritualistic. 
We sing songs every Sunday, but nobody says that's ritualistic. We pray every day. Nobody says that's ritualistic. But taking of the Lord's Supper as an act of worship, an act of worship, that's for us and for our benefit, especially in the world we live in. Paul tells us the days are evil. We live in an evil day. And as we take of the Lord's Supper, we feed on Christ spiritually. His benefits are for us. His grace is for us. So as we are taking of the Lord's Supper, we are being reminded of His works. We are proclaiming His gospel. We are anticipating His return. We are examining our lives and repenting of our sin. We are renewing our commitment with Him and to each other. And we are receiving the spiritual nourishment to live daily for Him. So I pray that as we come together in just a few minutes to take the Lord's Supper, I pray that's what we are doing, is seeking that spiritual nourishment that only Christ can provide. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that as we are about to go into this time of invitation, help us to examine our lives. Before we take the Lord's Supper, help us to look within ourselves. God, help us to to be repentant of our sin. Help us to know that we are unworthy to come to the table. But God, it is through Christ that we are able to. And that this is for us. That we may be reminded of your works, of your promises. That we may be spiritually nourished as we continue to live in these evil days. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood that was shed and the body that was broken, the payment that was made so that we may be saved. God, I pray that if there's anybody in this room right now that has never given their life to Christ, I pray, Lord, that they would do so. I pray that you would grab their hearts, that you would transform their lives, that you would convict them of their sin, that you would show them that their greatest need today and every day is you. God, only you can do that. We can't do that. We've proclaimed the word, but there is only power in you and in the word that was proclaimed. So, God, I pray that you would work. We ask this.